Welcome to the Data Driven Podcast. I'm Dominic Bohan, the host of the Data Driven Podcast here, and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Deidre Downing, who is the Chief Learning Officer at Story IQ. Deidre's got a wealth of experience in education focused on teaching large enterprises the value of data literacy. I'm thrilled to invite Deidre and some of her friends to take the mic and share their knowledge with you, our loyal listeners. Okay. Here's a special data literacy episode of the Data Driven Podcast, guest hosted by Deidre Downing, the Chief Learning Officer at Story IQ. Welcome to the Data Driven Podcast, where we dive deep into getting more value from our business data. Whether you're a data professional, leader, or just curious about developing your data skills, the Data Driven Podcast is here to guide you along your journey. I'm your host, Deidre Downing from Story IQ, and today we're going to discuss data analytics success factors. Joining us is Wendy Lynch, founder of analytictranslator.com. Analytictranslator.com trains analytic teams to translate data into maximum business value through a structured communication process. Today, Wendy and I are going to discuss why most analytics projects fail. Okay, here's my conversation with Wendy Lynch, the founder of analytictranslator.com. Hi, Wendy. Thanks so much for joining today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. We're talking about a really important topic and one that I feel like doesn't really get enough airtime. And that's why so many analytics projects fail. Could you sort of tell us what this means, a data project failing or not succeeding? What does that mean just so we're all level set to start off? Yes. And I don't think this is going to be unfamiliar to your listeners. But if you look at the folks who actually review how often a analytic project delivers specifically the value that the business requester was trying to achieve. The best estimates out there are that 85% of the time, they don't. So it's not a small number. And when I talk to analytic executives and ask them, so how prevalent is it? They admit that more than half the time, even when they're saying they're doing pretty well, what they are providing is not what the business team wanted. And you're hearing that from executives who are in charge of the success on this. Why do you think that it's so hard to achieve success with these data projects? Well, first of all, I'll tell you what it's not. It's not because we don't have talented analytic people. It's not because we don't have great tools. It's not because we don't invest in all of these wonderful platforms. It is because we don't know how to talk to each other. And business people who go through, executives who go through management consulting training and business executives MBA training do not get a ton of communication training. Data scientists and data analysts don't get a lot of communication training. So you have very, very different people coming from very, very different perspectives who are shortchanging the process of figuring out what the other person is trying to do. So it's less of a data failure and more of a communication failure from, from what you've seen in your experience and the conversations that you've had. Yes, yes. And I've been there. I mean, I've been in data analytics for 35 years. And so I've watched it. I've messed it up. I've delivered things that I thought were great that they hated. You know, I've been there. So it's not like I'm judging from the outside. It's very much a personal experience and realizing how difficult we make this because we leave out really important steps. And, you know, living this, having 35 years experience, this is certainly not coming out of the blue. 
how would you maybe suggest that organizations identify this challenge and start to really work on the communication piece? Do you have any advice there? Sure. So first, let's talk about a couple of, do you mind if we talk about a couple of the things that are the drivers of this? That would be great. No, I think that's really important. Okay. So some of the reasons why we are so different help us understand that it's not a communication failure on one person's part. And if you've been in that setting before, you know that in in the worst cases, it ends up being that the two teams really dislike each other. I mean, there's real animosity. And, you know, I've watched meetings where within 20 seconds, the data people are out the door grumbling, saying, you know, we're being set up for failure. They can't ever make up their minds. And then the business people are walking out the other door saying, these guys never explain what it is that we really need. And how come we can't get this right? And why don't I ever get what I want? And so there's, there are these really big divides and it is on both sides. And when you look into it, it's actually can be kind of funny if you let it be funny, because if you're a data scientist, any kind of scientist, you're trained to look for all the reasons that you might be wrong. I mean, literally you quantify a p-value or a confidence interval to quantify how likely it is that you are wrong. And so you start your explanations usually with, well, we didn't really have that many people. We weren't, couldn't do a randomized trial and might have some bias here and we might be doing such and such and we didn't really find relationships that we <laughs> that we wanted. And so by the time they've qualified all of that to begin with, um, the business people are saying, why should I trust you if you don't even sound like you're confident in what you're doing? So we start out with these completely different focuses, what we're trying to accomplish. You add to that that the analytic people really want to do cool stuff and they really want to learn new tools and they really want to apply really neat stuff and great models and do something fancy. And so they're off thinking about what they can accomplish in the most elegant way. And the business person doesn't really know exactly how to ask for what they want. And so the analytic people just run off and do the, do the, the fun part without really digging into what's going on. I love that point about sort of data scientists, or as you say, scientists in general, being trained to look for what's going to go wrong. Uh, and that's certainly my training as well. And I can certainly, you know, empathize with that idea. So if we're coming at it sort of speaking two different languages, right, the business value wanting to sort of see the, the most positive and the data scientists being a bit uh, conservative, where do we start meeting in the middle? How, how would you start that translation? One of the things that we can do is start to embed people in different sides of the organization. So too many data scientists do not understand what the true business needs are. So they assume that they know what the person is asking for, but they don't really know the underlying challenges that are being faced by the person. They don't really know the implications of what's being faced by that client, whether it's internal business client or an external client. So they are so immersed in the data that it is, you know, the forest and the trees analogy. They are really, really focused on the, you know, bug on the bark on the tree 
whereas <laughs> the business is wanting to know whether the forest is going to grow in one direction or another. So it is partly about stepping out of our own areas and understanding. And it's also, it's also adopting a language on the analytic side that you are explaining in terminology that makes sense to somebody. So we have to go that extra step in helping them understand. Now, it's wonderful if we do data literacy training too, and we help some of the folks who are inclined that way to understand data a little better and understand you know, methodologies a little bit better. But I'm not an advocate of saying that absolutely every executive now has to become a, a data analyst. So we start with, I actually start with empathy is where my first thing is, is let's understand what each other is up against rather than blaming them for getting the rest of us in trouble, because that's kind of where we go. So empathy for what they're up against is probably number one. So if if a challenge is making sure that the right questions are being asked and answered, are there sort of proactive steps that can get teams to this point that you would recommend as, um, you know, as you're saying, sort of one of the most fundamental mismatches getting started? How do we fix that from the beginning? Yes. So I train people in communication specifically to deal with this particular issue. And when I train analytic translators, they learn about how to have conversations that elicit sort of broader and deeper understanding of what the person says. So what's interesting to me is that when we talk about translation, the first thing that comes to mind to every data person is, oh, good, this is about storytelling and visualization. This is about telling them in a way that is catchy so that they get it. And sure, those things are helpful, but where things go wrong mostly is at the beginning. So a person comes in and says, we need to know the ROI of this program, let's say. And what they really mean is, I have to go defend the value of this program to my boss. They don't necessarily mean ROI, in the technical sense. And so the analytic person says, oh, well, do you want to do a propensity matched comparison group? And what was the investment? And the business person has no idea what they're talking about and no idea why they're asking them about the investment. Even though ROI means what is the return compared to the investment, that isn't really what they mean. So the analytic person gets kind of frustrated. What do you mean? You know, we're trying to actually do a real comparison here and you want to know how many dollars per dollar spent. So it goes around and around and around where they're both getting irritated with each other because, yeah, he asked me for an ROI, but then he didn't even know the I. So those are the kinds of things that happen in almost every request. And so what we do as analytic translators is we back up rather than drilling in. So we ask about where this request came from, and we ask about what it would be used for. We ask about what kinds of audiences might be looking at the answer so that we understand exactly what it is that they're trying to accomplish. And more often than not, 
what they asked or what we assumed about what they asked is not what they need. They just don't quite know the language on how to ask for what they need. And that is universal in almost every setting that I see is we have people doing rework on almost every project because what they provided was not what the person meant, even though they provided what the person said. So that's where we get really off track. I think that's so important, taking that step back and really understanding the requirements. And it's so easy to just jump right in, as you said, but that that conversation, that understanding sort of the actual root of the ask is going to save you so much time in the long run, right? And build that success from our unfortunately low, what is it, 15% success level there. Yeah. So how do you how do you get organizations to start thinking about the need for an analytic translator? Like, how do you get executive leadership buy-in? How do you start getting companies to expand the way they think about these two com- these two roles working together? So probably the best thing to do is, you know, money talks. So we can add up a variety of things. So let's say I might ask you, so out of the past 10 projects, how many of them had to be redone? How much time is a person spending working on projects that aren't what the requester really wanted? How frustrated and demoralized is your analytic team right now? Because in the interviews I did recently, they almost all said, I either have to protect them with my life almost to keep them from getting the kind of pushback that I get, or they really start to feel like nobody values what I do. And nobody feels like I'm doing it right. So if there's low morale, what is that doing to productivity? Let's put a number on it. Let's say it's 10%. Let's say it's 20%, whatever number that you want to put on it. And if those people are demoralized enough, how many of them are leaving? Thinking that they're going to find another place that they can work. So we can add up lost time, wasted energy, lost talent, lower productivity. And then what would happen if you actually had such a cohesive team that your analytic talent was thinking ahead about what they could possibly do to make operations more efficient, to make products more attractive, to do customer retention in a different way, to deliver information so that decision-making can be done way more effectively? If you think about those things, I mean, maybe again, you put a number like 1% better, 2% better in terms of marketing, 5% better in terms of operations. If it was just even just a little, if you add those things up, that number is huge. So why not invest in the people that you already have rather than skipping to, oh, we just need a new tool or we need a new analytic, you know, person who knows machine learning better, or we need this, that, or the other. What we need is someone or more than one who can bridge that gap and start to build not just a capability of getting an answer right, but an allegiance so that they're working together well. I think allegiance is a really great term to think about this relationship. And and as you said, it it goes beyond project not being successful, diving deeper into, you know, what does that mean for retention? What does that mean for morale? That's the stepping back that you're talking about what we should be doing in all of our data projects and really thinking about that bigger picture. And I think 
yeah, if you can get people sort of both speaking a similar language and taking a similar approach, just the way that communication will flow has got to be so much more natural and, as you say, beneficial to all parts of the business. It really is. And one of the things that weave into every aspect of analytic translation is appreciation. So I would recommend, as long as it's authentic, I'm not going to say that John really appreciates you when he was just swearing down the hall. But if there is even mild appreciation, then we tell the other group, you know, we get it. We know how hard you worked or we understand how much pressure you're under. And so we're doing the best we can to get you what you need. And just acknowledging that each side. And so if I'm saying that to the business team and acknowledging that, you know, the data scientists had to get over so many hurdles to use these data because they came in in such bad shape. And so it feels like it's taken forever, but I need you to know just how hard they have been working, even though you haven't gotten your results yet. So it's not just understanding the problem to be solved, but understanding what each other has to face every day because they start to be in their little silos and things don't go right and executives start to not trust like one bad result and there's mistrust and things spiral from there. If we're able to to bridge that gap and have that translator, as you say, who, who can really articulate the challenges and wins on both sides for, for each other, what do you think would be possible in terms of a success rate for projects? You know, the numbers you quoted before, 85% failure, more than half the executives you talk to say that they're not getting the success they need. Hypothetically, where do you think we could be at? I doubt it would be 100 just because things change so fast in business. I know that you could be twice as good as you are now. I think you could double your return on analytics without much trouble. And you could have a lot happier people. We're in work so much of the time. And I think my mission on this is as much, even though you have to sell it by saying, look at how much money you're losing and just how ridiculous this is. But really in my heart of hearts, I just want people to feel appreciated at work and be able to thrive and learn new things in a way where everybody recognizes the value of each contribution. And that's not happening right now. Even, yeah, as you say, doing twice as good as we're doing now, that's that's huge value that can be brought in. And the value spans, as you say, multiple places, right? Whether it's value add in a dollar sense or retention-wise. And I think, yeah, that, that communication gap is so important to bridge, just like in any relationship, right? Making sure you're speaking the same language is your, your ticket to success. It's absolutely true. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share about uh, this idea of not successful analytics projects before we wrap for today? I like that not successful. You don't want to say that they, they failed. Well, I think I would just ask people to really examine the rate in their own organizations. So you don't, if you don't want to admit it to anyone else in the organization, fine. How often are you redoing things? How often are one group or another unhappy with how a project is going? And how much heartache could we avoid if we just were able to get things defined right to begin with? 
Well, thank you so much, Wendy, on that. That's going to wrap up this episode of the Data Driven Podcast with some really great food for thought here on the changes we could make around communication and getting everyone on the same page. So thanks again to Wendy Lynch, founder of analytictranslator.com for joining us. Join us again tomorrow when Wendy and I are going to discuss converting data analytics into maximum business value. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Wendy, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also contact her on Twitter, where her handle is at Wendy Lynch PhD, or visit her company's website at analytic-translator.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to datadrivenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. Of course, you can always reach me. Just submit an inquiry at storyiq.com. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of data-driven brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, remember that when it comes to data, less is more. Bye.